Hi, I'm Pat Kelly. And I'm Peter Oldring, and we're the hosts of This Is That. Are you kidding? For over a decade, we were radio's go-to source for completely fabricated news. You must be joking me. And now, we're back in podcast form. We've selected some of our favorite stories from over the years and put them in one convenient location. Sugar in the tap water. Bilingual dog park. Charging to see wildlife. This Is That, coming soon on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. See if you relate to me on this. I remember having this room. I mean, uh, some people would call it the front room. My family called it the living room. The door was closed most of the time, but it, it wasn't like we were banned from going in there. At least my mom tells me we weren't banned from going in there. I'll say we definitely weren't encouraged to go in there. It's where the Christmas tree was, where the piano was where Dad went to read. So Michael McMillan, the acclaimed British playwright, writer, visual artist, has spent a lot of time thinking about living rooms or or front rooms. Back in 2005, he unveiled an installation that recreated the front room of Caribbean migrants to Britain in the 60s and 70s. I'm talking a full-on recreation of how a front room looked back then. And that idea took off. The installation is now permanently housed at the Museum of the Home in London, England. And then Michael went on to do this again in the Netherlands and France and South Africa and and a bunch of other countries. And now he's finally brought the front room to Canada. He's made a front room for Caribbean migrants to Toronto in the 1980s. It's called The Front Room in a Toronto Six, and it opens at the Art Gallery of Ontario today. Why do the differences and similarities between one culture's front room and another's matter so much? What can front rooms tell us about class and respectability? And what's the one thing that these rooms tend to have in common? Here's my conversation with Michael McMillan. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Why front rooms? Well, I must confess, growing up, I I felt this room was kitsch. My parents, both my parents come from the Caribbean, St. Vincent. Mm. And I felt, I felt it embodied a kind of colonial, coloniality. It was kitsch. It had no taste and so forth. Also, amongst my white friends, their front rooms didn't look like that because our front rooms, Caribbean, were much more colorful, Creole. You know, the car- carpet and the wallpaper never matched. You had a glass cabinet that really display things you never used. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, so I wondered. But at the same time... I spent time in there. My mom would allow me in because I was a goody-goody and I left it how I found it. And then at some point, I was in High Wycombe. And this is where I'm from and people from the Carib- from St. Vincent, my parents' generation, colonized the town. And I was interviewing some Caribbean elders. And I had a deja vu moment where I was in these different living rooms, but they looked the same. I thought, oh, it's the front room. This is the front room. And from an artistic, creative point of view, I thought, this is worth unpacking. Because if this aesthetic, this style resonates across this this community, then it's worth unpacking. It's worth exploring, going even much more deeper to what it means. Why do we have the same things in the room? Why is it? And this connects with now. Why is it that we believe that I have that vase? I'm the only one that has that vase. But actually... Everybody else has the same vase. What's that about? 
and I'm curious about that. What 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 sort of things are in there that that you that you had in common? Well, music is important. Music was important. Why? Because that early generation, now called the Windrush generation, in the UK, because they came uh, 1948 on the Empire Windrush from across the Caribbean, and that begins post-war Caribbean migration. Um, and that generation were often barred from pubs and clubs. There's whole racial politics around that. So they resorted to entertaining themselves at home with the radiogram. It's a, it, it's a hi-fi, but it houses a phono turntable and a radio. And they played music, imported vinyl music, jazz, soca, calypso, um, soul, pop, country and western. And they would, this is where the house, first house parties began, the first blues parties. So music was quite significant. Music is important across the, the diaspora, the African diaspora, because it signifies something about our lives. Religion is important. Religious, there were, there were often religious artifacts, religious... Yes. Uh, again, a lot of that generation were not made felt, feel to work, welcome in churches, so they expressed their religious identities in the home, especially the front room. You'd have the iconic The Last Supper, and you'd have that in the front room, prominently displayed, not always because you were religious, because the room is about respectability. Because no matter how poor you were, if the front room looked good, then you were respectable. Mm. And the front room is the contemporary living room or sitting room. It's where you invite guests in. Yeah? It's where you entertain guests. You have rituals of hospitality. So you start you start showing off the uh, recreations of the front rooms in in London, and then as I mentioned, it starts traveling all over the world. Yep. And now it's it's time to come to Toronto. Yeah. What did you tell me a little bit about bringing the show to Toronto and what you had to do? Well, with all of the iterations of the front room, I try not to bring anything because what I'm interested in is how local communities dress their homes. And so with Toronto, as with elsewhere. All of the materials have been sourced from here because it's telling that story of Caribbean migrant communities in Canada. And that's what we've done. It's an 80s room. So previously I've done a 70s room. That's what I grew up with. But here, late 70s, 80s is the moment really when Caribbean migration to Canada really begins. And so that's what we want to signify with the room. It's 1980s. It's a lot aesthetically a lot less muted than the um, than the 70s. We have now in technology VHS tapes. Mm -hmm. We have hip hop with young people. I said the hip hop, the hip the hip do the hip hip hop. You don't stop the rocker to the bang bang boogie. Say up jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to beat. We have the wallpaper and the carpets less less colourful. We have tape cassettes. We do have some things that continue. We do still have religion. We still have the Last Supper. Mm -hmm. We still have the importance of portraits and mm -hmm. frame portraits, where the frame is just as important as the portrait mm -hmm. itself. Um, so the things on the wall, we have these souvenir 
kind of artifacts. We have the Black Velour Scroll, mm -hmm. which you would probably get from the Caribbean, mm -hmm. and that would show off where you're from, as well as places you travel from. I, I imagine you'd have a souvenir from Niagara Falls. Mm -hmm. You'd put it up in the front room mm -hmm. because it's all about showing to the people who come in, you know, I'm lived, I've traveled, I'm worldly. Mm. And that's, that's important because we're performing to the outside world who we want to be. Um, what are people's reactions that you've noticed when they go into the room, when they step into the room? Well, they step into the room as if they're in someone, actually in someone's living room. I felt like I should take off my shoes when I went in. Well, you should have done. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the room belongs to Gloria. So there is a subject yes. that we've created a story. Uh, Gloria is a nurse. Yeah. Like a lot of women here, Caribbean women. Her yeah. grandmother, her mother was a nurse. Uh, she's married to a Caribbean man, Marcus. They have two ch teenage children. She's mm -hmm. always telling them not to leave their clothes in the, in, in the living room, in the front room, because, you know, guests might come around. So is it, we want people to, and because I come from a background of theatre, mm -hmm. I'm quite curious about when they come in, what happens, how they then treat it, how they perform. What have you noticed? What have you noticed? They take respect. Yeah. They're, they're like yourself. They are they're, they're ambivalent. They're, they're, you know, they, they tread carefully. Mm-hmm. And we want people, when they come in, because it's an installation, to leave it how they found it. Mm. In other words, you know, respect the things there, explore, be curious. But at the same time, it's Gloria's front room and she's coming back soon. So she knows where any, anything has been moved. We'll be right back. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You seemed uh, pleased, if I if I may say so, yesterday when you were you were taking me around and showing me a couple of things. Yeah. And you you took a bit of crochet uh, that you were going to put up on the wall yep. or have somewhere, and uh, you put it you put it in front of me. And I said, oh, yeah, we had something like that growing up in our front room yeah. in, in, in St. John's when I was growing up. And yeah. you, seem, you seemed delighted by that. Yes. You seemed delighted by there was some sort of cultural exchange happening there. That's right. Because what in your kind of resonance, your kind of recognition, what you're, what you're marking is the, how the empire travels. So crochet originally comes from Europe. It was kind of exported by the missionaries, taken across the empire. And I mean oh, across the empire. You know, including Africa, Asia, yeah. Caribbean, here, Canada. It would have been Ireland and then, That's yeah, right. yeah, and then That's in Canada, right. to Newfoundland, yeah. The distinct thing is that crochet originally was monochrome, flat. Yeah. What then women did, in particular did, was to transform it and bring a bit of color yeah. and shape. In other words, a kind of creolization of crochet and transform it. But, but, but are, are, you, are you pleased? Do you strike me as someone who might be pleased when someone walks in there, and uh, uh, Caribbean or not, and I'm not. That's right. They look at you, right. When they walk in and they go, um, oh, we had that. Yes. Right. Okay. 
And this is why uh, what the first iteration at the Jeffrey Museum that you mentioned was called the West Indian Front Room of a moment when West Indians came to the mother country, yeah. came to England yeah. and realized they were West Indian when they met other West Indians yeah. from West, the West Indies. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, right, right, right. So I call it that. But what happened at that, at that show at the Jeffrey Museum, it became the most successful exhibition. Why? Why? Because it resonated with other migrant communities. In fact, the working class, the white working class, could, they could all relate to the material culture. They could all relate to these ideas of respectability. They could all relate to why this room is sacred actually, why it's so important. Respectability, because this was the, no matter what the rest of the house looked like, no matter if you were poor, no, right. matter, no matter if you had you were really struggling. That's right. There, there was one part, where yes. you, there was one room you could take, so the, the priest would come into it. I That's remember, right. You know, the priest would visit. Or the police. Yeah, the police. They would go into that room. That was That's the respectable right. room. That's right. Or the teacher. This is where you would have those figures come into that room. You, you called it the um, women's room to me yesterday. Yes, why? Well, this is part of the division of labor. It is patriarchal, I yep. know. But it may have been my dad who used the front room. He would come in and entertain guests and so forth. You know, they'd play cards and play dominoes and he'll rev about his stories of back home. But it was my mother who controlled the, the dressing, the decoration and how one should behave. Because traditionally the front room, which comes from the Victorian parlor, mm -hmm is about respectability, all those values of propriety, decorum. It's, it's not a place for, un, for, for being comfortable. You don't put your feet up, you know, on the coffee table in the front room, you know. There's certain kind of, there's no vulgarity in that. There's no, you know, you behave yourself. You're on your best behavior in the front room. That's the tradition. And I want, I'm curious about whether we still inhabit that in our minimalist, you know, living rooms now, whether we, st we still carry some of those values. Um, how do I want to put this now? Um, museums, and uh, at least in Canada and and around North America, and I'm sure in the UK too, traditionally white spaces. Yep. Is there meaning in having a black living room, a yep. black front room in a traditionally white museum space? Yes, because for me, this is apart from the fact of inclusion and diversity and all of that. It's about decolonizing the museum. And this is not a temporary post-life matter moment. This is permanent. Hence, why the front room being permanent at the museum, at the home, is significant, because Britain is my home. Help me understand that better. The idea of it being permanent is, is meaningful to you. Yes, because when we think of cultural institutions and museums and some of the great ones in, you know, established ones in Canada, such as the AGO, yeah. they have artifacts there that are permanent. Yeah. They're part of the institution of what we identify as Canadian cultural history. They're not visiting? No. They're no. there. They're permanent. They're mm -hmm. embedded. Yep. You know, they're, they're, they're hallmarks of right, when you go to see the AGO. Almost written into the constitution of those institutions. Sure. Where are we in that? Are we permanent anywhere? Are we acknowledged, you know, in that sense? And so this is a political, this is a cultural political question of being permanent, that it's an acknowledgement that we are, as communities, are embedded. We're part of this culture, this national culture. We have transformed this national culture. We're not going anywhere else. That's it. I mean, I should also add about why it's important for women. It's also important for black women. And this is important in, in terms of the museum and the gallery. Because for my mother, you know, there's a notion that black families are always portrayed as a bit pathological and dysfunctional. Yeah. 
And the home becomes a way that we can show, actually, we're respectable, particularly women. I am a respectable mother. I am a respectable partner. And, you know, my parents, I come from a working class background. My parents work night shift to afford all of these things to make them that room somewhere they could take pleasure in. And pleasure is really important here. Who gets to have pleasure? Where are those spaces of black joy? You know, just very simple things, really, to have a space of joy and that you can sit back and be, look around you and this is what I've worked for and be proud of that. That's what I think that's really important for many families. You know, you work how many? 24-7. Yeah. You know, and you work hard and yeah. you can look back and you can see the results of the fruits of your labor. I think that's really important. When I, when I was uh, going to university, we, um, we studied, uh, I studied folklore and I studied material culture. And I got to learn so much about how we own and the patterns that we use and the colors that we choose mm-hmm. relate to our communities, relate, mm-hmm. to, relate to our class and relate to our aspirations. Yep. I saw that so, so deeply in, in the work yesterday. That's right. I thought it was very, so powerful. Yep. Um, but, but before we go, we, we always end our interviews by playing a song right afterwards. Right. And I thought, if you don't mind, <laughs> you might sing us, but no, I'm joking. I thought, <laughs> I thought you might pick a song that someone might be playing. Did you do some research into what people might be playing in the 80s in these front rooms in Toronto? Yes, we did. We did. And I, I can't live without music because it became very difficult for me, Tom, to ch- choose just 70 tunes yeah. that would be on the playlist Okay, that was you're, you're going to hear in, in the installation in the I'm, front room. And I'm asking you to whittle it down to one for me. <sighs> Why do you have to do that? I got to do it to you. Okay. I well, I, I'm, I'm, I was thinking who amongst those artists not only in Toronto, but across the world, is still important, particularly at this time, in this, these times now, these dark times, would be Bob Marley. And I would choose One Love. Why that one? Because we're all together, in spite of the notion that we're different, and difference is important. But we're kind of being told that we're so different that it's impossible to reach that divide And I would say, actually, no, we're human together and we need each other. We're interdependent with each other and love is important, crucial. So one love. Congratulations on the exhibit. I really love getting to see you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much for coming in. Who has hurt all mankind?
That is Bob Marley and One Love, a track chosen by my guest Michael McMillan, the playwright, writer, and visual artist. He chose it to represent his new installation, The Front Room in a Toronto Six. Michael dropped by the Q studio to talk to me about his work and his interest in front rooms. The Front Room in a Toronto Six goes on display at the Art Gallery of Ontario in Toronto today. And you can see it there until April 1st, 2024. Just, you know, take your shoes off when you walk in. The other conversation we have up today is is with one of the most important people in American TV and film of all time. James L. Brooks, Terms of Endearment, Mary Tyler Moore, Taxi, The Simpsons, and a, and a pretty unassuming, unassuming dude. Go check out that podcast. We'll see you soon. Later on. Chances grow stand There ain't no hiding place From the father of creation Saying One For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.